our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you? Let's read on to verse 16. And he said to him, please Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Just to give a bit of context, if you go to the beginning of Judges chapter six, you'll see what the Midianites are doing. It says that Israel are hiding in caves, they're hiding in dungeons. Every time they grow crops, every time they try to get something for themselves, the Midianite army would come to Israel like locusts and just like raid the land. And so that's why he's hiding his food because if he beats the wheat in the open, the Midianites are gonna come and they're gonna take it. And so we find, we find first of all, we find Gideon in this place of self-doubt. God comes to him and the first thing he does, he speaks into his identity. He says to him, O mighty man of valor. He calls our truth. Like I said, we see, we, we look at Gideon according to the flesh, but God looks at him inside. And it's the same with us, you know, we might not think we're the tallest. It's, it's David, right? Remember the story of David when Samuel comes to anoint the son of Jesse. Samuel brings all his, like the best, he starts with the tallest and the best looking ones, you know. And Samuel looks at him and God says, he's not the one. He's not the one, he's not the one. It's like, and I love it, it says like, when Jesse brought in the first son, Samuel's like, surely Lord, this must be the guy. What was he doing? He's regarding him according to the flesh. He was the tallest, he was the strongest, and he was the most handsome. Eventually he goes through all the sons and God says to him, I do not look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. And so we might not think that we have it all together, that we can't do that which God is asking us to do. We can't do, we don't have the ability, we don't have the strength, we don't have the intelligence to do what God is asking us to do. But He looks inside and He sees the truth of who we are. He sees the truth of who He created you to be. And that's what He does. He comes to Gideon. Gideon is just totally out of his purpose. He's just hiding in a wine press, beating this thing full of self-pity, full of self-doubt. God comes to him and he speaks identity. He says, O mighty man of valor. But what is Gideon's response? Like I said, it's one of self-pity. What we see is that instead of God's identity, instead of God's truth being Gideon's identity, Pity, self-pity, self-worthlessness has become Gideon's identity. God speaks to his identity, he says, mighty man of valor, he says, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, you don't know what's going on here. You don't know the circumstance that I've been born into. You don't know my surroundings. You don't know what it's like at home. You don't know what, 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 what my daily life is like. And he begins to tell God, Lord, the Midianites, they're taking all our food all the time. You know, they, they oppress us and we just the oppressed people. We've heard of the stories of Moses and Abraham and David and all these things. But Lord, I'm the oppressed generation of Israel. I'm just, Lord, this is my lot in life that I'm the one who beats wheat in the wine press. 
And so he's full of self-pity. He's, just, he's allowed the circumstance, he's allowed the condition to, 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 to label him, to put an identity on him. He doesn't see himself as God sees him. He sees himself as his circumstance defines him to be. And so self-pity can be described as it's a self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. And so we can just imagine getting in the wine press, beating this, this thing again. Lord, this sucks, you know, this is every day I wake up and I just beat this wheat. This is my life. I'm the wheat beater in the wine press. And he thinks that's it. Oh Lord, I wake up. There's no food in the cupboard again. Oh God, I'm just gonna go to work. They're not even gonna pay me properly and my kids are hungry and I can't afford school fees and it's just day by day. And we, we, we allow that to define us. Well, I'm just the poor guy in the family. I'm just the person that gets sick all the time. That's just, this is my lot in life. We allow circumstances to dictate our identity. But in this place, God speaks truth. I like it. God comes to him and he, and he speaks truth into his identity. Gideon, this is who you are. You're not the wheat beater. You're the mighty man of valor. Gideon responds in his self-pity and he gives his whole story. Blah, 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 blah. And I love it. It's like God just, God doesn't, you know, he doesn't come Oh, it's okay, you didn't come. Come sit over daddy's lap. Yes, I can see what they're doing to you. He speaks the same truth again. Verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, he gives this whole story of his self-pity and how everything's going wrong. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. I want to read a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our affliction." so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. He is the comforter. John chapter 15, I will send the advocate, the paracletos, the comforter to come alongside you. But then John chapter 16 says, that same advocate, that same comforter is the spirit of truth. And so whenever you're in a place of self-pity, God's not gonna come and stroke your hair. You can't expect Him to do that. In In God's mind and in God's vocabulary, there's no such thing as defeat. There's no such thing as, oh, you know, let's just, be a heap on the floor of, of stones and what that's an eat can of worms, whatever that thing says. You know, he looks at the situation and he will always bring truth. Always. That'll always be his response. Guaranteed. He will comfort with truth. That's how he brings comfort. 
And so there's a, there's a choice that we have to make in the moment of self-pity, in the moment where my circumstances are beating down and this one said this about me and that one said this about me, what is the choice that I will make? Will I allow that to define who I am? Will I allow the world, will I allow circumstances, will I allow people to define my identity? Or will I allow God's truth to define who I am? We must choose truth over the trial. We must choose truth over our emotions. We must choose truth over our circumstances. This is the plumb line of your life. What this book says about you should define you. Not what your teacher said or didn't say or what your parents should have said but didn't say or your peers or what world the world says about you. This is who you are. This is where you will find your identity. And I want to encourage you, choose truth. You might think, oh, I'm a nobody. I'm like Gideon. I'm just, you know, I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm just whatever. But God looks at you and says, no, no, no. You're a mighty man. You're a mighty woman of valor. Go in the strength of yours. You can do it. He believes in you. He believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. And so whenever there's a place of self-doubt, find out what the truth is that He's speaking over you. But just in my notes, self-pity is a pit. Don't fall in the pit. So again, self-pity is a pit. Don't fall in the pit. Because that's where you'll stay. And we just allow just the barrage of life just to oppress us and push us down. But the Bible says He lifts us up from the ashes. He lifts us up from the miry clay. And what does He do? He seats us among princes. He seats us with Himself in the heavenly places. And so there's such a contradiction here between the kingdom of God and the, the realm of what we can allow our emotions to do to us. What we can allow circumstances to dictate to us. This here, seated among princes, this is God's will for every single one of us. Spiritually, socially, mentally, physically and financially, we are to be seated with princes. But the choice is yours. Do I, do I believe that? regardless of what I see here. Gideon, do you believe that you are a mighty man of valor regardless of what you are seeing? 
regardless of what's going on in your life. As we read in verse 15 to 16, it gives us further indication to, to Gideon's condition. It was this, that he struggled with a low self-esteem. God brings these truths to him and says, mighty man of valor. Comes with his self-pity thing. God says again, mighty man of valor. And Gideon brings the next condition of his heart to the Father. But Lord, I'm just a nobody. I'm the weakest. My clan is like the smallest in Israel. I'm the weakest in the clan. Who am I? His, his self-esteem was just like rock bottom. And unfortunately, it's a plague secretly moving itself through the body of Christ. If we had to be really honest in this house this morning, the majority of us would be struggling with self-esteem, struggling with confidence. The majority of us sitting here today think we're not good enough for the Father, first of all. That we can't please Him. That we're not precious in His sight. That I always let Him down. That I can't do what He's asking me. He said, I can't be the husband. I can't be the wife. I can't be the parent. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a plague. It's a quiet plague, just whispering through the house. But again, what's God's antidote? What does God do? He speaks truth. He says this, verse 16, and the Lord said to him, I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. See, a low self-esteem comes from believing the lies that Satan tells us about ourselves instead of believing the truth of what God tells us about ourselves. Are we going to low self-esteem comes from believing the lies that Satan tells us about ourselves instead of believing the truth of what God tells us about ourselves. John 8 verse 44. Let me read it. Jesus, <clears throat> speaking to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. Wonderful. And your will is to do the father's desires. It says this, describing Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. We believe his lies, just, we're so gullible. And he's so crafty. He isn't like, hey, I'm Satan. I've got a lie for you. <laughs> Comes in just like the Garden of Eden. <laughs> he hasn't changed. He's still that slippery thing. 
falling on his belly, judged under the feet of the Son of God, crushing his head. Satan will tell you you're stupid. God will tell you you have the mind of Christ. Satan will tell you you're ugly. God will tell you you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Satan will tell you no one loves you. God will tell you I have loved you with an everlasting love. And you are accepted in the beloved. Satan will tell you you have no purpose. God will tell you in my book are written all the days I have planned for you. Satan will tell you you are too weak. God will tell you you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Whether it's a self-pity, whether it's the low self-esteem, the comforter speaks truth. That's what he did for Gideon. The, he, he, and, and, and that's what I love about just like when we encounter God, whether it's in, the, in a public setting or in a private setting, as our hearts become raw, our hearts become exposed. And, and, and he, he comes and he confronts things. And this is what we see with Gideon. He has a face-to-face encounter with God and immediately the condition of his heart is exposed before the Father. Here we see this man self-pity. Here we see this man in low self-esteem. But here we see the response of the comforter, the response of the Father. He speaks truth. He speaks truth. And he speaks truth. And like I said, we see this man Gideon begin to change. From the man hiding in the wine press, he now, it was a journey. He goes... That night, he cuts down the Asherah poles. In other words, the the false symbols of of, of pagan worship that Israel Israel was doing. First he does that, he cuts them down. Then I said, as he goes on, he becomes this brave, guess what? Mighty man of valor. He accepted truth. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read verse 26 to 29. I want us to read it carefully because often we read this, but we miss what it's actually saying. So it says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, listen to this, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world. To shame the wise, God chose that what is weak in the world. To shame the strong, God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Not wise according to the world. Not powerful, not noble according to the world. Not strong enough according to the world. 
we've allowed the world to define who we are. The world says we're not good enough. The world says we're too weak. The world says we're too foolish. The world says we're too lowly. The world says, why would God choose you? Out of all the people. I mean, I look, often look at myself and say, Father, why did you choose me to do this? Surely there's a thousand other people who could do this better. But it's a wrong view of myself. I'm just being like Gideon. And then what does he do with me? It takes you to truth. And I start to believe. I'm like, oh, this is how you see me. This is the truth of how I am. And I begin to walk that out. And so there are truths that God speaks over our lives to bring us into the fullness of what He has for us, the fullness of our destiny, the fullness of our purpose, the fullness of our calling. And I'm just gonna look at two, there's many, and you have to sit with the Father. You have to be vulnerable like Gideon was. Come into His presence, come to His face and, and open up your heart to Him. Father, I'm full of self-pity. Be honest. Just be honest. Otherwise, you're just gonna go round and round in circles. He doesn't expect you to have it all together. And we think where to come, oh, thou and Father, how great thou art. I'm doing fine. Bless you, Lord. This is so cool. You know, I'm the man. You're the man. Ooh. You know, it's like, Come broken. Come vulnerable. How can the doctor treat you if there's... It's like you, yeah, it's like you go to your legs like bust open, you're bleeding everywhere, you go to the doctor. Oh, I see your legs broke. No, no, it's fine. No, I'm good. Let me, let me help you. No, 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 there's nothing wrong with me. It's fine. It's like losing blood. It's like that's what we do to God. It's like, no, I'm fine. I'm not full of self-pity. It's like, well, actually, let the doctor fix what's wrong. Let him speak truth into what's going on in your life. And so I said, we're gonna go through a couple of truths just to correlating with the life of Gideon. The first one is finding what we just read is that you are Chosen. Before you chose him, he chose you. That word chosen means to select out of a large group by a highly deliberate choice with a definitive outcome. I read again, to select out of a large group by a highly deliberate choice. God, when God chose you, you weren't number 5,374, he chose you out of a group of people with a purpose in mind. And by a deliberate choice, he says, I choose you. So I'll give you a bit of insight to um, what happens at Men's Advance. We play tug of war, if the ladies do something like And so on the Saturday morning, on a Saturday afternoon, we go out to the sports field and it's time for 
to be really manly and we do tug of war. And so if you're doing tug of war, you want to choose the right people to win. You're not going to choose me or Russ. Sometimes Russ and I are always on the same team every year and we always lose. Like, I think we lose. <laughs> yeah, I think last year we won like one game, but Russ and I are like, they're not the people that you want to choose for tug of war. I mean, like AJ and Louis, like, it seems to be like, okay, basically choose the Afrikaans guys. So. <laughs> like Liam, as well. Like, if you got Liam, Louis, and AJ, then oh, guaranteed you, you're the winner, right? <laughs> and so if you're a captain and you're going to choose your tug of war team, you're going to go for those guys. You're going to choose them. But it's a highly deliberate choice because for the outcome of this thing, I want to win this tug of war. That's what this is saying. He's saying, I've got this this is plan, I've got this purpose, I've got this tug of war against the enemy and I choose you. And you're like, and this is me. And I was like, me? It's me and Ross. <laughs> like, us? Are you sure? He's like, why? Because he sees something in us that we don't see in ourselves. Remember when I was in, in high school, these guys always used to pick me to play basketball. Couldn't bounce the ball, like to say, that thing was so. <laughs> the only reason they chose me was because I was tall. And so I would just stand around the hoop, and then whenever they came, I would just <laughs> do that thing, you know? <laughs> but what I found is eventually, as I kept on playing with them, I was able to bounce the ball too. And I was able to pass the ball and able to shoot, not just be tall. And so they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And it's only when I stepped into it that truth came out. And so here's me and Ross. God says, I want you on my tug of war team against the kingdom of darkness. And we like... Lord, we're the weakest in the men's advance. We're the lowest of the lowest. He says, but you are a mighty man of valor. And we like, we look at each other, we like, we do this. We give each other a high five. And we get on guards to the end of the team and we pull that rope. You are chosen by God. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be available. And as you know the truth, this is the most beautiful thing. As I, as, I, as, I, as I accept that moment, and I say, yes, Lord, I'll come. I'll be with him, Gideon. Okay, Lord, I, I've, you've gone through all my excuses, but here I am. Let's do it. Let me, let me be on your team. What happens in that moment? When I accept truth, I become truth. Truth becomes me. And that which the Father saw inside of me, the gold that He placed inside of me, that He calls out in my moments of weakness, in my moments of self-pity, in my, my moments of low esteem, in my moments of low confidence, as I, as, I, as, I, as, I, as I come to identify who I am in Christ, not regarding myself according to the flesh, but regarding myself according to the Spirit, Regarding myself according to the promises of truth that He speaks over me, I become truth. 
And just like Gideon, he became the mighty man of valor. He literally became it. And so my question to you is, what is God calling out of you? You find yourself over there, but He's calling you here. And He's calling you by truth. Don't resist truth. Don't resist the call. Don't, don't drown yourself in your excuses. Don't drown yourself in your self-pity. Don't drown yourself in your low esteem. Choose truth. Let's stay. So I said, Simone, there are many truths that God speaks over us. Find out what He is saying over you. The world, the word, sorry, the word must define who we are. The word must define who we are. Truth let truth define you. Not the world, not other people, not circumstances, but truth. He knows you. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we read that Psalm 139. Let's just read it one more time. And then we'll close. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Think about that. God thinks about you more than there are grains in the sand, grains of sand Hallelujah. on the whole earth. One grain, like we just step out into the garden, there's like, what, like five billion grains of sand just on this property. That's how much he thinks about you. Not us, you. You are chosen. You are beloved. But what I want to focus on here is he formed my inward parts. No one knows you better than him. You might think you know yourself, but your 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 we're talking, we're talking about like a worldview. But they say your self view has actually been defined to you. First of all, by society. So I've got a, a four-year-old daughter. And it's interesting because as a guy, I've seen this in, 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 in girls and at teenagers and, and even older ladies, but now I see where it starts, this thing about beauty and the lie of Satan. 
So if you see my daughter, she's got curly hair, right? Got a massive afro. I think it's so beautiful. It's like, that's like the best hair you could ever have. A lie has come in at that age. This has probably been like a year now. So let's say at the age of three. A lie has come in that to be beautiful, you must have long, straight hair. And so it's defined by media. It's defined to her by society. All the Disney princesses have long, straight hair. And so if you want to be a princess, if you want to be a beautiful, and so all the time, she's like, I want my hair to pull the... <laughs> I want my hair to be straight. I want it to be long. And I said, no, your hair is beautiful like it is. And so the world, society, seeks to define you. Like I said, you think you're you, you self-made. No, your circumstances, your upbringing, the, the, the words of your parents, the words of your teachers have defined you and have molded you. 2 Corinthians 5, let's go back there, verse 17. He comes to Christ, becomes a new creation. What does he do? He takes a hammer and he breaks that mold. He shatters that clay. He shatters the words spoken over you. He shatters the, the circumstances that have defined you and the influence over you, the influence of media, the influence of the world, the influence of society. He shatters that. And he begins to mold and he begins to shape you into the true image of who he has called you to be. That with your Afro, you are beautiful as you are. With your squint eyes, your brown eyes, your blue, it's just like white people want to be tan, tan people want to be light. It's just like straight people want to be curly hair, curly hair want to be straight people. It's like thin people want to be... Fatter, fatter people want to be thinner. It's just like, <laughs> shy people want to be more bold. More bold people want to be more shy. It's just like, we just, and then, then and then, now the boy is a girl and the girl is a boy. And, and it's like, it's just, it's just like the devil's putting society, the world in, in, in a whirlwind of, of, of like, Identity insecurity. It's like, who the heck am I? What the heck is going on here? I think it was you, Lionel, that said your daughter they had a child in America with a long hair. Was it you? Eh? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Some one of you, one of you somewhere in this church. I, can't remember. I remember I was sitting on the bench. I said, you, you have a daughter in America. <laughs> and... The, the child was in school, so as a boy, and so obviously like preschool, the boy's like, you can have long hair because he likes his long hair. The, the parents liked him with long hair. They're taking the child to the preschool. The teacher says to this little boy, oh, you like long hair, you should become a girl. Needless to say, they took, it was you. Ah! <laughs>
This is society. And if we go with the flow of the world, I think that's just the scheme of Satan. It's just like, mix us up so much, we don't know what we're doing, where we're going. We just like live life, then die. And not achieve the purpose and the plan that God has for our lives. And so whatever he throws at you, Whatever it is, whatever it is, your life is hidden in these pages. Your identity is hidden in these pages. Let yourself become this. Amen.